0: No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency, and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. And this focus on tax-smart investment strategies is all part of the fully integrated planning strategy known as the Madrona Bundle of Services. You'll hear Brian's thoughts on everything impacting your portfolio, from income to taxes, and from growth opportunities to long-term security. This is your source of comprehensive financial information. You'll soon understand why they call it the Madrona Difference. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. And welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans.
1: Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth, a radio show that gives you straight talk and honest answers about how to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have some valuable information for you during the coming hour that could change your financial life for the better. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to hear it. As always, hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Brian Smackdab here. Well, maybe not quite in the middle of summer. I always consider July to be the middle of summer, but here we are in August. What do you think about the future of certainly our ability to get out of this, the economy, the market, and all that? Do you think that we're seeing a little silver lining at the or a little light at the end of this tunnel, so to speak?
2: Well, I th- I think we're on an adventure. <laughs> I think we're going to chalk this up to a big adventure year. I heard from somebody, they were talking about their Five year old who was saying, I'm sick of this coronavirus. I hope I grow up and never remember this year again because I think they don't get to play with their friends. Right. I was sitting with Chancellor Petrie at Washington State University, Everett. I'm on their advisory council, and we were having a nice conversation about ideas we could do. And then I'm just like, So, what do you think about this year? And he just kind of. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so crazy, I'm like, yeah. isn't it? I um, mean, he's dealing with trying to run a university, and, and uh, but you can't have any kids show up for school, <laughs> it's got to be really tough, you know. Or different people I know that run restaurants or or whatever they do, and and how their plans had to change, how everything's changed, how the, the structure of everything going forward is changing, and you know, it's it's just. You got to look at it like an adventure. We were talking before we started today. You you just can't worry about things out of your control. You just, you know, worry about things that are. And there's going to be a lot of stuff going on that is just out of our control, whether it's riots in Portland or who gets elected or whatever it is, but control what you can and better let some of that just roll off. Otherwise, it's going to be a tough year for you.
1: Right, I mean, you're taking on so much worry about coronavirus, I can't control that. You can't control it, at least I don't think we can. There's the economy, we really have little control over that, the presidential election, we can vote. That's as big a control as we have over that. So as I say, sort of stay in your own lane, you know, run your own railroad there. Worry about what you can control, your family, your life, your health, your finances, and hopefully everything else is going to take care of the rest. You talked about the chancellor there at Wazoo Everett and the fact the kids are going to be coming back to school, but they're not going to be coming back to school. And the same goes for, you know, if the kids are in elementary school, middle school, high school, that sort of thing, too. And I thought, you know, it's going to come to one of two things. Either the kids are going to get much better grades because they're going to be cheating, or the other is that they're not <laughs> going to get good grades at all because they're not going to have the discipline to attend classes. What do you think?
2: Well, in the end, I don't know that grades are as, important as- people would say, because I remind people, you know, when I was in school, I was like, oh, I got to get good grades, got to get good grades. So I got the top grades. And and uh, summa cum laude, Washington State University. I, okay, my life is set. And then I got out in the real world. And about two weeks into my first uh, career job, I was going, huh, <laughs> they didn't teach me this in school. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I reflect on how much effort went into getting, you know, uh, my, my grade point average. And I think there's been a total of maybe one person in, in, you know, 35 years that's even asked about that and nobody cares. And it's like, I'm not saying don't get good grades. I'm just saying that is not going to be the measure of your success or not. It's certainly uh, as just as important to learn skill sets like public speaking. I wasn't a public speaker coming out of school now I have a radio show. So I had to learn that on my own or how to get along with people or or how to turn uh, lemons into lemonade whatever it is getting a skill set a marketable skill set adapting as the years go by you know think about my job today and technology and everything we didn't even have the internet back when I graduated uh, university. So everything changed and you got to adapt or die. And and so, you know, I think there's so many attributes beyond what your grade point average is. But again, don't use this as an excuse not to get grades because you do have to have good enough grades to get your entry point into an interview and all that. But, you know, there's certainly stuff you can pick up, but it's not the end all be all.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you completely. I can't think of any circumstances in my adult life where I've ever used some of the things that I learned uh, either in high school or in college. I mean, I took Psych 101, and I mean, I've used that a little bit to understand people that I might be speaking with, but, you know, some of the math things and, um, you know, Greek mythology... Yeah, it is important to get good grades because you got to graduate, get out of school. But where you really learn most of the things that you're going to use in life, you'll learn after you get out of school. And once you're in your life and in your business, and I mean, stressing interpersonal skills, you mentioned that a little bit, and communication skills, those are very, very important. And I'm really shocked at the number of people that I deal with on a regular basis on the telephone or in person who do not have good interpersonal skills and just don't have the ability to communicate effectively, or they just have no personality. And sometimes you get on an elevator and you say, hi, how you doing? And they just sort of look at the floor. I'm going, okay. Sorry if I offended you, but this elevator can't move fast enough. <laughs> well, I don't yeah, know if, if you
2: heard... are talking to a CPA, you know, <laughs> when you talk about that personality, I used to reflect on, and it's, the stereotype is relatively true. I remember I'd go to these CPA conferences, and during break, you know, I'm a pretty social guy, and I'd go out and try and talk to people, and it was, it was like I just, you know, stepped on their dog or something. Right. They'd me like, well, what are you talking to me for? I didn't do anything. <laughs> they're looking down, They're everybody's scurrying, trying to get a free muffin and get their coffee. And, right. No one was talking. I was like, "Oh!" And then I go to a financial planning conference. Oh my gosh, it's like a frat party there. You know, everybody's outgoing because that's what they do. They're in sales, and and uh, (laughs) it's a totally different world. So yeah, Yeah. bring a little personality. And and you mentioned communication. The most important thing about communication is actually not talking and listening once in a while. In you know, actively listening and and asking questions of someone else. And you know, people are more than happy to. Talk all day about themselves, and I'll walk away from a 45-minute conversation with someone. And go, huh? They don't know what I do. They don't know where I'm from. <laughs> I know right. everything about them. Well, I don't know what thing about, you know, they don't know a thing about me because they didn't ask. It was all the you know their show, but they think I'm a great conversationalist. That's that's out of the book How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's basically shut up and listen and ask questions. You'd be amazed how many people don't respond in the, in the same, and so that, that's, that's always struck me.
1: Yeah, there was an old fellow I used to work with who described it aptly. He used to say they have the personality of a gnat, and yeah. he was
2: right. <laughs> yeah, my favorite joke for CPAs, you know, what's, what's the definition of a, a CPA And and let's say somebody that looks at their own shoes when they talk to you. What's the definition of an outgoing CPA? Somebody that looks at your shoes when they talk to you. So, yeah, it's... It's, uh, it's interesting, but uh, it's such a great, a very important skill because if you're going to advance in this world, you have to communicate. And if, if communication means actively listening and asking pertinent questions and connecting with people, well, then learn how to do that. I mean, because that, that's a huge, you know, knowing math is a great thing for me and my, but knowing communication skills and psychology and, and different things is equally as important.
1: Yeah. People want to work with people that are likable and that they can communicate with. So take inventory. If you think your interpersonal skills are a little bit lacking, get to work on that because uh, it's really going to help you in life and in business. Brian, in our first segment here, not a lot of time left of this. We've had a lot of good time chatting here a little bit, but I want to talk about the economy plunging at a Titanic. 32.9% rate in the second quarter points to a drawn out recovery. I mean, the fact that we read these things in the media like this, does this really have any effect on the way that we should think about, you know, our future insofar as investing and the market goes and maybe just our overall financial future in the short term?
3: Yeah,
2: I think it absolutely has had an effect. Even though the stock market has essentially, you know, mostly recovered, certainly parts of it, uh, technology shares are what's carrying it. Most parts of the stock market are still way down uh, year to date, but tech is... You know, overshadowed that to a big degree if you have that in your portfolio. But I think the conversations have been changing a lot. We're going to talk about that on the show from how do I maximize my potential growth to. How do I make sure I'm going to be okay no matter what new black swan event occurs uh, after COVID, what COVID 2.0, 3.0, you know trade wars, whatever it is, uh, businesses going out of business, supply chains getting all messed up, you know the ripple effects of a recession or depression or whatever it is, they they want to know they're okay.
1: Brian, that's right. I mean, people used to say, well, how do I get more return on my investment? These days, I think the question is, am I just going to be okay? So people are sort of in survival mode here a little bit. On our show today, we do want to talk about that. Also, we want to talk about if you're a business owner, we've got some uh, interesting advice for you there too if you're thinking of selling your business, how you may want to prepare for selling that business and some of the considerations that you might want to keep in mind when you are selling a business too. I think you'll be rather enlightened about that. In the meantime, if you would like a financial plan, a first plan, a second opinion, a third opinion, or maybe you want just some questions answered, we invite you to call us here at Madrona Financial Services. That number is eight. 4, Four madrona No cost, no obligation for this chat or this plan. It doesn't have to be a full plan. It can just be maybe a short conversation, 15, 20, 30 minutes or so. All those questions are welcome at 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Once again, if you're just joining us, I want you to check out the website to find out what we're all about at madronafinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. My name is Jeff Shade. Glad you could join us this week. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this.
0: Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. As your financial advisor called you lately, if you're retired or about to, you need to know how your money is being managed now more than ever. Madrona Financial Services is dedicated to retirement planning and is now offering virtual or phone reviews to help answer the most critical questions about your money. Call them now at 844-MADRONA to schedule your meeting. The meetings are convenient, safe, and designed to provide maximum retirement income. If you haven't heard from your advisor lately and are unsure about your real exposure to risk or exactly how your savings are invested, Call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA right now for your virtual or phone meeting. Every minute your advisor doesn't call you could cost you. Get the facts about your money and call the retirement team at Madrona Financial Services now at 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. Again, that's 844-MADRONA or online at madronafinancial.com. Many people are experiencing unexpected job loss and find themselves in uncharted waters. From some of the largest employers in our area laying off employees to the smallest having to close their doors, this is impacting many of us and our neighbors. Losing a job is hard enough, but with the added stress of what to do with your 401k or other employer-sponsored plans, it can feel overwhelming. At Madrona Financial Services, we are here to help bring clarity, direction, and strategy to your financial world. Our staff of wealth managers and CPAs can answer your questions and provide the type of guidance these times require. You can start by scheduling a complimentary phone call or virtual meeting so we can discuss your personal situation and how we may be able to help. There are important financial considerations when it comes to certain employer-sponsored plans. We'll help explain your options so you can avoid any unnecessary penalties or taxes. Schedule your complimentary meeting today at 844-MADRONA or online at madronafinancial.com. Madronafinancial.com. That's M-A-D-R-O-N-A financial.com. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back
2: to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer of CPAs. And in this segment,
1: we're going to be talking about a paradigm shift that's happening with a lot of my new clients. Well, let's talk about this paradigm shift. I mean, before, back in the good old days of 19, people were worried about, well, how much am I getting in return? What am I making on my money? But these days, what's important to them has changed quite a bit. Now it's just, am I going to survive? Am I going to be okay?
2: Yeah, I've been having lots of conversations right around that. We're going to talk about ways to make sure you are okay. But a lot of people are coming to me and and you can just tell in the meetings. It used to be, how do I max out returns? You know, over the next rest of my life, I want to max it out. I want to leave a lot of money in the next generation. I want to have extra, extra money. I'm like, great. Okay, let's talk about that. Well, it seems to have shifted. People are coming in going, okay, I just want you to tell me that I'm going to be okay. This is how much I spend or, you know, the minimum that I would spend. And I have Social Security and some other things. Tell me I'm going to be okay or not. Because I just want to know no matter what happens. We call this a black swan event. But they seem to keep happening. So, you know, there's supposed to be a black swan event. It's something that comes along. Nobody saw it coming. Very unexpected. It's very rare. But we've had, you know, we had 9-11, the recession from that, 2008, where the banks almost failed. Now we have COVID. So a lot of people are going, "Huh, these black swans are more more like gray ones, you know, they're they're not as rare." And, you know, they're going to they're going to continue to happen. What about COVID 2, COVID 3? What, you know, if it mutates? What if we have trade wars? What if we have China, I mean, what if what if we have skirmishes or what if tax rates go double, which they absolutely could depending on who's elected. That would that would destroy an economy, certainly parts of it. And so These things we have to be aware of. So a lot of people, like I said, are saying, I just need a plan to make sure that no matter what happens to all the external things, as we talked about earlier in the show, the things outside of my control, I want to make sure that no matter what happens on the things outside of my control, that I took advantage of the things that were within my control and I made sure that I was going to be okay no matter what.
1: Brian, when people ask you, am I going to be okay? I mean, that's a pretty general question. I think that there are a lot of components to that question. What are some of the things that you take a look at? Let's go down the list here. What are some of the things that you consider to determine if someone is going to be okay and if they are not ways to fix that? Where do you start?
2: Yeah, it, it starts with a financial plan. You know, that's what we offer to people on this show. Uh, if you have at least five hundred thousand of investable assets, most people I'm talking to have actually a lot more than that. Though I don't want you to think, well, I've got you know six million. I, uh, you know, it's only five hundred K. Well, no, I mean that's that's kind of an entry point. But there's a lot of things we talk about now. Some of the you know the people often talk about the three-legged stool. Um, I can. Certainly, come up with at least seven of them right off the top of my head. So my stool is uh, doesn't look very good. It's got seven legs, but it's more sturdy. And so you know, it starts with Social Security. We we know about Social Security. We know that raises aren't going to be very good going into the future. I think they were zero this year, and and so let's let's plan for that. And that I think everybody would agree is not enough. You got to have other sources. So a big one that a lot of people don't think necessarily about enough while they're working is having a plan to get your home paid off at retirement. You don't want a a mortgage, typically, uh, when you retire. So part of that plan has to be, if you're looking ahead and you still have time to do it, maybe analyze your mortgage right now and say, well, why don't I just refinance, maybe to a 10 or 15 year mortgage, Right now, you can get them under three percent. So, you know, you're probably saving money there. You're maybe allocating more of your earnings, but you're you're working. So do that and have a plan to pay that off at, at or before retirement.
1: Brian, I heard two arguments about having your home paid off. Of course, one is the security and being able to sleep at night that your home is paid for. And as you said, I mean, you know, you can do that a little quicker than you may have thought now with these low interest rates. So one is having your home paid off. The other is not having your home paid off. And really, it's for two reasons. One is the tax benefits that you can get on a mortgage. But the other is just protection against lawsuits and that sort of thing. If your home is not paid off, you can't have it taken away from you if you have a a lawsuit against you and somebody else wins. Is that true or false?
2: Well, that's why you get a a good homeowner's insurance plus an umbrella insurance policy. Umbrella insurance policy is meant to, is designed to cover all the things that uh, your regular insurance doesn't, no matter what it is. So unless you uh, whack someone on purpose, well, then it doesn't cover (laughs) something like that. So don't do that. But yeah, so I think that, that can be alleviated there. A lot of people say, oh, I'm told not to pay off my mortgage because I'll lose the tax deduction. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so overplayed. You get a standard deduction that's very high right now anyway, so the tax deduction is not what you think. And there's a big difference between a credit and a deduction. If you pay you know, $10,000 for every $10,000 you pay in interest, Maybe you get 2,400 of that back, but less the standard deduction effect of that. And any phase outs, it might be much less, but you're still out the money. You're out the 80 plus cents probably on the dollar. And that, you know, you got to factor that into all of this. And then there's the big part, the psychology part of it. I, I talked about how there's a paradigm shift. So a lot of people would feel better every day of their life, every hour of their life, knowing they're at their home locked up here in COVID. And they don't have to wonder where that next mortgage payment's coming from because their house is paid off. That has a huge effect on people, having that peace of mind. So there's a non-financial consideration that probably outweighs any tax deduction consideration.
1: So it sounds like your advice is, if at all possible, to have your home paid off going into retirement or pay it off as quickly as you can. And, of course, you being a CPA, too, you can talk to the tax advantages and the fact that there aren't the tax advantages anymore with the deductions. That's really sort of an old-fashioned thing. The other one that makes you a little more secure in retirement, of course, is figuring out what your Social Security is going to be. Now, I know that there are hundreds of ways to take Social Security, but you have a way of figuring out the best way for a married couple to take it here at Madrona, right?
2: Yeah, we have a social security optimization report we can run, but there is some art to the science there too. It will kick out the facts and figures and say where your break-even point is and and so forth, but I don't know how long you're going to live, and I don't know the quality of your life at different ages. So that, again, another non-financial consideration, the quality of your life at 65 versus 75 versus 85. I kind of need to know that. If your quality of life is very low in your 80s or you're not around, then I probably want to take Social Security earlier. But so these are part of the discussions we'd have to have around that.
1: So that Social Security Optimization Program can whittle it down a little bit. But as you said, there is also an art to that science. It doesn't just spit out an answer. And that's what you take for what it is. Another one that I want to talk about here is if you have rental income. I mean, if you're an active landlord, uh, you know, what do you do with that? How can you be okay with that going into retirement?
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of different kinds of rentals that people have. Some people have investment real estate that's land, and it doesn't produce any income. So you might want to consider doing a Delaware Statutory Trust so you can sell it, not pay the tax on the gain, and then invest it in income-producing property. Some people have rental houses, but their tenant is their kids. And so that adds another layer of complexity to it. Some people, their rental income is from their own business. And so we'll talk later on the show about selling your business and how that might be a strategy where, Okay, maybe it's great. Maybe the buyer of your business, if you have one, is a great buyer and you're, you like the rental income you're getting. It's a really good cap rate and all that. But often you might want to kind of tie them together and not have that worry through your retirement about whether you're going to get rent payments. And certainly after COVID, a lot of people were, who thought they were just fine. Uh, renting to to you know al's body shop whatever it was all of a sudden uh well, that's probably a bad example they stayed in business but you know and uh, renting to a, a restaurant all of a sudden that restaurant isn't paying their bill and, you, and in the old days you go oh i'll just find another restaurant well you won't find one now <laughs> so now, well, what are you going to do with a building that's got kitchen and seats and all that stuff and you're going huh what am I going to do now? That was my retirement plan, and that's gone. So, gosh, I wish I'd done that sale DST Brian was talking about because the DSTs aren't in restaurant build. You know, there's there's a lot of factors there to to say if you have rental income, that's great, but is it sustainable without worry rental income? And if it's not, then you might consider. Doing something else like a Delaware statutory trust, but that can be another leg in the stool of of being okay. Knowing you have rental income that's diversified across different DSTs that, that you can you know predict, have some predictability there as to
1: your income throughout your retirement. That's right. And with the Delaware Statutory Trust, I mean, you're not getting out of real estate. You're still in real estate, but it's just passively managed or it's managed by someone else other than you, a professional person who really can take care of all the things that you used to take care of, you know, just making sure that tenants are doing what they're supposed to do. And with the Delaware Statutory Trust, again, you don't have to own necessarily rental real estate. It can be things like storage units and, you know, long-term lease properties and so forth. Interesting concept there, but you've got to do it yeah, in the I right order. Yeah, I just want to
2: interject here that the uh, the landlord is a is an institutional uh, real estate company that's been doing it for decades and decades with uh, billions of dollars of real estate that they manage, and somebody with as little as three hundred thousand from a net proceeds of a rental house might end up with. Oh, 400 apartment units, uh, You know, maybe 50 different, or oh, I'm sorry, maybe a dozen different self-storage and a dozen uh, necessity-based net lease properties in their portfolio. And they, and they go, wow, I got true diversification. Whatever that uh, DST is, is into, and certainly if you want to learn more whether you can even do it. You have to be an accredited investor to do one. Any DS, and I will uh, caution people. I've, I had a lot of calls. Well, I've been talking to this company, and they have a whole bunch of DSTs available. Uh, no, they don't. If you're talking to them, those DSTs are spoken for. Uh, there aren't a whole lot available at any given time. And anything by the time it's published is already probably fully subscribed a long time before they ever, they ever hit print. And so it's a bit misleading for these folks to go, oh, we have this huge inventory. Look at all these pictures. And that's why I never, one reason I never talk about any specific DST, because they'll be gone by the time anybody sits down, listens to the show and and figures out they might want to look into it. So that's
1: another factor in all this is a, a fast moving area. If you're thinking about a Delaware Statutory Trust, we do have a great website that you can be educated about that. It's madrona1031.com. That's madrona1031.com, 1031, referring to the 1031 Exchange. You'll find out more about Delaware Statutory Trust and the 1031 Exchange right there. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Again, if you'd like a complimentary financial plan, you know the number to call. It's 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. And as always, find out more about the firm online at dronafinancial.com. Thanks for joining us here on this great weekend day here in August. We're going to take a quick break, be right back to talk more about ways that you can be okay in retirement. And if you're a business owner, we've got some good advice for you about how to pass that along and make sure that your business is ready for sale if you're looking to sell it. All that and more when our show continues right after this.
0: Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. In today's fast-paced world, we're used to having information at our fingertips. And when you're trying to research something, more information is always better, especially when it comes to retirement planning. That's why Brian Evans, founder of Madrona Financial Services, has made his 2020 edition of The Little Red Book of Retirement available for free. You can get your free copy by visiting madronafinancial.com. The 2020 edition of The Little Red Book of Retirement covers the basics of retirement planning. Brian shares his thoughts on investing, taxes, estate planning, lifestyle, and more. As a CPA and investment advisor, Brian has the knowledge to help make your retirement planning process manageable. Brian has also been a featured speaker on CNBC and Fox Business. The 2020 edition of The Little Red Book of Retirement will give you a thorough analysis from an expert. Madrona Financial offers beneficial information to properly prepare for retirement. Get your free copy of the 2020 edition of The Little Red Book of Retirement by visiting madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. At Madrona Financial Services, we help people finance their retirement
1: so they can spend their time living life instead of worrying about it. The fact of the matter is, your portfolio will likely need to last about 30 years or more. And the sooner you do something about it, the better off you can be. So if you're not 100% sure that your plan is rock solid... Call us today at 844-MADRONA for a review. It's super easy. We'll ask you a bunch of questions to find out what's most important in your life and what makes you happy. Next, we'll review your current plan and then our team will strategize on ways to make your portfolio, your tax strategy, your use of social security, and an estate plan better suited for you. At Madrona Financial Services, we want your retirement to be about living life, and we'll sweat the small stuff for you. Call us today for your free review at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Or visit us at madronafinancial.com.
0: Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs.
2: In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about the paradigm shift from maxing out growth to where a lot of my clients are just wanting to make sure they're going to be okay in retirement.
1: And Brian, we talked about, of course, having your home paid for, the variables in Social Security, taking that, the many different variations of that. We also talked about having rentals in the Delaware Statutory Trust. So let's talk about the next aspect that maybe a lot of people don't have these days, but it is a pension.
2: Yeah, we did recently, we did a show about pensions and about some of the concerns that you might just want to address. Just to make sure, you know, five years ago or, or even a year ago before COVID and everything, it really wasn't a topic of conversation. You had your pension. You plugged it into the program. Okay, I'm going to get 50000 a year for life. And all right, we'll plug that in. That's good and solid. Well, now a lot of people are going, well, assuming my employer is still around, assuming that the government or city I worked for is going to be able to pay their pensions and they don't declare bankruptcy, a municipal bankruptcy, and then cut my pension uh, dramatically. So those are some of the discussions because there's so many unfunded uh, pensions or underfunded. We talked in that show about how some of the states like Illinois state workers and Kentucky state workers. Uh, their pension plans are less than thirty percent funded for the promises they've already made. Now, some you know people, are, well, you know, can they make that up? Well, they're not going the right direction. <laughs> I mean, if it's thirty percent today, at uh, some future date it will be twenty before it's forty. Okay, especially post COVID. Some of the city workers in like Chicago, they were fifteen percent. I think the worst was Chicago Municipal was I think at, at under four percent funded. So essentially, it's bankrupt. So if that's your pension, you're not going to get it uh, for much longer. They're going to declare bankruptcy. They're going to give you cents on the dollar uh, at best. And so, you know, that is a a new consideration. But for most people, hopefully, that are listening to this and have a pension, yours is fine. But I'm just suggesting you look at, you know, make sure you know how funded it is. But that's certainly another leg to the stool, that you've cut your expenses through paying off your mortgage, that you have your rental income. Hopefully, it's a DST, so it's not taking over your life you got your social security check, you got your pension check. Again, most of those are flat and you have to account for inflation somehow in this plan.
1: That's right. And if you want to know the health of your pension plan, I believe that you may be able to look it up online, but I get a statement every year, which tells me the health of my pension plan. So good idea to see how funded it is and what they're invested in before you make a very important decision. Now, I like to use analogies. We always have fun with our analogies here. Brian, let's say that I'm a caveman, and in my left hand, I have a bird that I've captured. I have a bird in the hand, but in the bush there in front of me that's about 15 feet away, there's two birds. So is it better to have the bird in the hand versus the two birds in the bush? Should I take my pension as one lump sum, that's the bird in the hand, or should I gamble what's behind door number two with the two birds in the bush and take it on a monthly basis?
2: Well, that's a great question. I was thinking about, you know, it depends on what year it is. If it's, uh. you know 80 uh, 2019 then you probably go for the two birds but or I'm sorry BC 2019 there you get two birds you get BC <laughs> 2020 maybe you keep that one in your hand that's kind of what yeah. we're talking about today yeah and there's no there's no right or wrong answer to that but it's a great question and so the analysis has to be how good is that bird in the hand so that pension is it just giving you your own money back for the next 25 year 20 25 years then uh, you probably, it's not that great of a bird. Uh, it's, it's a little little blackbird that's kind of droopy, I you know. And I see two big, yummy chickens in the bush. Okay, yeah. well, maybe I want to go for the chickens. But, you know, sometimes I look at a pension and I say, wow, this one is, you got the chicken in the hand, it's blackbirds in the bush, okay keep the keep the chicken and so it really depends on boy don't you love our analogies and yeah we're and farmers on growing your wealth <laughs> yeah you <know>, caveman <laughs> yeah this is great um but uh it, it depends uh and so we have to look at that and then part of it's your risk tolerance if and, you know, if it's risky to get those two birds, I love this analogy. You're not very good at catching birds, and you know, and you're not gonna, willing to take much risk, and maybe your returns aren't going to be so good. But other people go, "Oh no, I, if I have money, I, I, I turn this into all kinds of great stuff." So you're a better hunter, you know, you you know, every time you go after two birds, you get two birds. And so that person might say, I'd rather have the money in my my hands. I don't want to just have that pension with that uh, pretty low, you know, internal rate of return embedded in it. Uh, Maybe I want to go for it. So Depends on your personality type, what your other assets and income sources are and how good that pension measures up to the the lump sum that you may be able to. And then if if you're married and your spouse may be younger, you might say, well, you know, I better get the second to die pension just so I can take care of that person, too, in case I die prematurely.
1: And once again, if you've got questions about your pensions, I mean, we're really talking generalities here, but yours are specific. Call 844-MADRONA, 844-MADRONA, and talk to an advisor here at Madrona Financial Services and just let them run the numbers for you. Our next one here is about annuities. So that is one of the ways I think uh, well, we call that safe money investing to a certain extent. Annuities very well might be a way to make you more okay than you thought you could be in retirement.
2: Yeah, yeah, I still run into people that say, oh, I think I don't like annuities. Why is that? Oh, I, I read some advertisements. I'm like, oh, okay. Have you ever met anybody that's getting checks for life that says, I hate this? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's an annuity, though. Don't don't you hate checks for life that can never uh, dry up and maybe increase over time? And if you die, they go to your spouse until they're for every a month that they're on this planet? You know, I, I Yeah, you're right. I, I can't remember people telling me they hate that for some reason. And so that's essentially what annuities can do. Particular kinds of annuities, fixed index annuities, can be geared towards. Well, their claim to fame is that they're going to pay uh, cash flow for life. Second to die is an option. There's some that can have increases over time. Some are flat. So these can be used as a quasi pension. You might be sitting there going, "Well, yeah, you talked about rentals, and I don't have a rental." You talked about pensions. I don't have a pension. Well, you can have a fixed indexed annuity that has pension-like qualities uh, with the cash flow for life. It has some better than pension-like qualities because if you die prematurely in a pension, then that you know the residual value is zero. But if you die prematurely, the fixed index annuity there is residual value. And it goes to your heirs. And so they they do have some advantages. Some have additional life insurance benefits, essentially, also on top of that. But uh, access to funds, there's all kinds of things aligned with that. But the one thing I wanted to point out is most people have to wait until they're 59 and a half to access their 401k so they can buy a fixed index annuity. You want to start these earlier if possible. So if you're uh, under age 59 and a half and you have some retirement assets, like in an IRA from a previous employer, that you've separated from service, definitely come in and see us because that might be the money we get uh, put into the thing now the longer they have to grow, the better the lifetime cash flow is going to be for you. So if possible, start those before age 59 and a half, and that's money you can use that for. But if you're working somewhere and you have a 401k and you're under age 59 and a half, you can't roll that out yet. So you have to wait uh, on that money and you're getting you know, you're know, getting up there in years. You might want to start it earlier. So again, if you have IRA money or non-IRA money that you, you want for retirement cash flow, come see us and we can talk about getting you one earlier than
1: 59 and a half. And there are different types of annuities too. There are immediate annuities that you can get as soon as a month after you put the money in. There are deferred annuities, there are fixed annuities, fixed index, and variable annuities. So a lot of different types of annuities there. And again, to find out what's the right one for you, you just got to talk to an advisor at Madrona Financial. Next one, FIUL. Our regular listeners probably know that that stands for Fixed Index Universal Life Policy. How can we use one of those to make sure that we're okay in retirement?
2: Yeah, they have similar qualities. A fixed index annuity, I just mentioned, but there's some different qualities. One is instead of being funded with a lump sum, like an IRA lump sum or something of that nature, they're usually funded over time on a monthly basis often. So you might be, and they're they're usually started well before 59 and a half. So you might be in your 30s or 40s or early 50s and you say, well, I want to start funding one of these because I know that the underlying growth is going to go up in time, over time and and when I take money out in retirement, unlike the fixed index annuity, this money is going to be income tax free. So that's a huge benefit to this. And so we're, you know, if you're concerned about future income tax rates, and if you haven't thought about it, you should be probably, unless you're not going to have a lot of income in retirement. But if you're going to have a lot of income in retirement, you should be concerned about Uh, growing higher income tax rates. This is a way to shelter yourself from that and have uh, retirement cash flow that you can count on. And so another leg to the stool that could possibly be in there. But this is primarily, you know, in your earlier years, 30s, 40s, uh, early 50s, you have extra money to put in maybe on a monthly basis. This could be a dynamite way to add some more security to your retirement income tax free.
1: We're talking about feeling secure in retirement. Am I going to be okay? Remember that self-help book, Brian? I, I'm okay. You're okay. I think that was Wayne Dwyer, <laughs> who, a PhD, who had that particular book. But if you want to know if you're going to be okay in retirement, again, you know, there's so many variables that go into this. We've talked about paying for your home, Social Security, rentals, pensions, annuities, fixed index, universal life policies. I mean, there are a lot of moving parts to this equation. So in order to get the right answer for you, once again, I highly encourage encourage you to call Madrona Financial Services and get that plan. There's no cost. There's no obligation whatsoever. Nobody's going to hound you after you have called and said, have you thought about it? What are you going to do? That number is 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Again, no cost, no obligation whatsoever. You can also request that plan online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. We promise we would talk about business owners and a succession plan. Some of the things that you have on your mind if you're a business owner to see if you're going to be okay in retirement when growing your wealth continues after this.
0: Discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Time for today's edition of Growing Your Wealth, presented by Madrona Financial. Here's Brian Evans. Today, I want to talk about pension alternatives. We've talked
2: about
3: bond alternatives on this show before because we're concerned about the bond markets with the rates being so low right now that if they go up, people that own bonds, and there's a
2: lot of you out there that own a lot of bonds, you might see some losses in your bond portfolios. Or at a minimum, you just won't see a whole lot of gains going forward. And that's not really good for our investment portfolios. Another thing that comes to mind is pensions. With rates being so low, a lot of pensions especially the Boeing pension, lump sums versus the pensions, are not paying a whole lot of money right now. So let's say, for instance, you get an offer for a lump sum,
3: $500,000, or they'll pay you $30,000 a year for the rest of your life. Well, the day you sign up for that, when you do pass away, the pension money's gone. Its value is zero. So
2: during your lifetime, you're not getting a 6% rate of return. You're getting 6% cash flow. Well, know that most of that cash flow is just a return of your original investment, your $500,000. So it's not really a 6% rate. And so are there alternatives to the typical pension that's not paying very well right now? Yes, there are. You do have to take some risk. You might have to take some real estate risk or some insurance company risk or a combination of
3: different kinds of risk. But if we can get those at a low level, you may be able to replace that cash flow and have a legacy asset to draw upon or to leave behind to your loved ones.
0: And that was Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, Madrona Financial, investments, retirement, taxes, and legacy. MadronaFinancial.com. Get your free copy
1: of Brian's latest book, The Complete Book of Retirement. It covers everything from the basics of retirement planning to passive real estate investing. Arm yourself with information and take control of your retirement. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA for your free copy
0: or visit MadronaFinancial.com. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona
2: Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And we've been talking about different legs of the stool on being okay in retirement, making sure you can cover your bills. The last one we want to talk about is if you own a business, some of the things to consider with that.
1: And, Brian, a lot of our listeners do own businesses, and, you know, they're getting ready to retire, and they're thinking, well, I may not want to keep this business in retirement. They're thinking about staging it and selling it. So, we'll talk a little bit about a succession plan here, but most most importantly, I do want to talk about the tax implications of selling a business. First of all, how are businesses taxed? Is it different than personal taxation?
2: Well, it sure is. Uh, there are a lot of ways you can be taxed selling a business, and it depends on how you allocate the assets at the sale. So for instance, I had somebody call and he was asking the, the question, the first question he asked was, I just, I've been getting this stuff on annuities. It says I got 7% return guaranteed. Oh, what do you think about that? I was like, well, again, they're lying. And I, I'm, I'm going to try to explain that concept before I get into the business part. Okay. Uh, let's say somebody said, I'm going to give you for $90,000, I'm going to give you back $100,000. So 10,000 a year for 10 years. And, but then the annuity person comes along and said, for that same 90 grand, I'm gonna give you 11,000 a year, a 10%, you know, 11% return or whatever. And you're going, well, that sounds better. But the caveat is one of those years you don't get paid. Oh, so I get 11% return. Yeah, instead of 10,000 a year, you get 11,100 a year. Okay, but I only get it for nine years, not 10 years. That's right, you get 11% return that first year. I'm like, no, I just multiplied 11,100 times nine, I got 100 grand. And the other person's giving me 10,000 a year times 10, that's 100 grand. That's no way to return. So it's when they say you're getting a seven percent annual rate of return, it's in exchange for giving up twelve monthly payments, and so you're giving some, up something to get something. They equal each other out, so your your net rate of return is essentially zero in that analysis. So there has to be other parts to that. So when some an annuity salesperson tells you you have a guaranteed seven percent rate of return on investment, they're lying. Don't don't go with them. Don't go with someone that's lying to you. So that's how this conversation started out. And then he told me he's selling his business. And now I have to ask these questions because all these different areas get, get uh, taxed differently. Are you selling real estate with it? Yes. Okay, we can do a DST with that portion. Are you selling inventory? Yes. Ooh, that's a hot asset. And accounts receivable? Yes. Okay, that has a different taxation. Are you selling depreciated equipment? Yes. Okay, now we got section 1245, section 1231, depreciation recapture and stuff like that. Are you selling goodwill? Yes. Okay, well, that's a capital asset and that has a 15-year life to the buyer. They want a quicker write-off, so they may not want that. Is there a non-compete involved in this? Yes. Oh, that's ordinary income. And so the list goes on and on as to how a business, boy, I just probably confused everybody, you mean selling a little business? I've got about eight different ways I can be taxed on that, and and they're all different for the buyer versus the seller. You know, usually what's good for one isn't good for the other, and so there's some debate going. How are we going to classify this? And uh, the answer is, yeah, there actually can be all these different areas, and I didn't even get into whether it's a stock sale or a swap, which can be non-taxable. You know, it's it's a very complex area. So so don't do this without doing a little research or getting some good guidance first.
1: So let's say that I own XYZ Trucking Company as an example here. What you're saying is that, first of all, there may be the real estate that my business sits on. Maybe I own the land and I own the building. So that's one aspect of this. Secondly is inventory. I got a bunch of trucks and I've got equipment. There's accounts receivable, as you said. There's the goodwill of the business. We've been in business for 35 years. And then there's the possibility of the stock sale. I would imagine that each of these items, and correct me if I'm wrong, are going to be taxed at different income rates or is it all just ordinary income rates?
2: Yeah, I mean, you hit on it because usually the real estate's owned outside of the entity, and so that can have the advantage of the DST, as we know. But uh, within the uh, entity, if you buy the the stock, the equipment's already been fully depreciated, so the buyer doesn't get any new depreciation on that. They might want to have a separate equipment purchase so that they can write it off right away using Section 179 of the tax code and get the deduction right away, the tax advantages with a stepped-up basis to its fair market value. But the caveat to that, now the state comes in and says, oh, I want a sales tax on that stuff. So now we got to measure the sales tax component against the tax advantages of buying the equipment. So it just goes on and on as to how it is. And, and even if you're buying the business entity, are you buying a C-Corp, an S-Corp, an LLC, or a sole proprietor? They're going to have different implications there, too. And, so, and if you buy a corporate stock, you may have something that that corporation did years ago you know, a couple of years ago that's uh, brewing in some attorney's office a lawsuit and now that's your lawsuit, so you have to address that too. That's why a lot of people do asset sales. They say you keep your corporate, and you deal with anything that we don't know about today, and I'll just buy the assets, get the step up. I'm willing to pay the sales tax, the state, you know, I'm, I'm, but I'll get the write off at my marginal income tax bracket. I'm gonna, you know, do different things like that. And so there's there's some a lot of art to creating a, a good win win on one of these uh, sales.
1: So in addition to asset allocation, and what I mean by that's the inventory, accounts, receivable equipment, the goodwill, and all of that, is there a way that you can structure a sale one way or another that can affect the tax bill? Let's say I want to take it in installments, the payments.
2: Yeah, yeah, certainly that. That's another one. If you don't take it all up front, you can spread it out over time. So if you took it all, let's say it was all capital gains, and you're saying, well, that's 15 percent, right? And I'm saying, no, because you're getting a big number up front, so it's going to be 20, and then 23.8 percent with the Obama tax on top of that. And they're going 23.8. I thought it was 15. Well, it is for lower amounts. Well, what if I have an installment sale and I just get a little bit each year? Well, then it's 15. I say, oh. Same capital gain, depending on when I'm I'm taking it, it can have a different rate. I'm like, yeah, or uh, it's going to be forty percent, you know, because uh, the new administration says we're not going to give any breaks for capital gains in the future. Now you have an installment sale and your taxes went way up. Oh, I didn't consider that either. You can see, Jeff, there are so many things that could go right or wrong in this, and and frankly, the the best solution depends on which side I'm working on. If I'm the seller, I got a particular, you know, or advising the seller, I have a particular thing that I want my seller to get. If I'm a buyer, I kind of want something different. So it depends on, you know, uh, like anything the smartest people in the room will probably and most experienced ones will probably come out with a better solution and as you can probably tell by me speaking i've had some experience in this my cpa firm and, and so forth does have experience with this and it's very critical because that's one of the big legs of your stool in retirement then you want to get that right
1: Brian, if I'm looking to buy a business, let's say that I've got a corporation and I want to buy another corporation, can this deal be done cash-free? I mean, let's just say that I want to exchange stock. Is there a possibility of doing that and avoiding taxes completely?
2: Well, I'm going to You bring up something you didn't even know you brought up. Uh, a great question. I was talking to Chancellor Peach, Petrie about that yesterday. That very question about how do young people buy into a business? There's going to be all these businesses for sale. Baby boomers are getting to retirement age and they want to transfer their their legacy to somebody younger. But younger people are saying, I don't have any money. How much does it buy a business? It's called an earn out. An earn out is where you go in and you say, okay, my business is worth a, a million dollars. And I want you to have it over 10 years. Now, uh, I'm going to sell you the business. I'm just doing a simple example. It makes 100000 a year net profit after I pay, pay your salary. Now, I'm going to sell you this business, and I'm going to walk away. Essentially, you probably stick around, but I'm trying to keep it simple. I'm going to walk away. Now... My your payments to me that million dollars, I want a hundred grand a year Well, it profits a hundred grand a year. so if I work really hard at this business, I still get my wage and I make an extra hundred but then I give it to the seller that's right so at the end of ten years now I own that million dollar asset that's right. but if you're smart, you're going well, it makes a hundred grand now but I'm gonna get it to where it makes two hundred grand a year and so now, every year I got 200 grand, 100 goes to the seller, 100 goes to me, I just built my, I'm building my equity, I'm paying down the principal, and I'll have a $2 million business down the road. Yeah, that's right, in 10 years. So that's an earn out. You didn't come up with any money down, you gave your sweat equity for a period of time to the seller who is no longer giving their sweat equity, and that's their exit strategy.
1: Brian, here in the state of Washington, I know that we don't have a state income tax, but, you know, people listen to this program all over the country here. If we are selling a business to the state of Washington, does the state have any tax that they want to collect on this, or are we just tax-free here on a statewide basis?
2: Oh, yeah. The state loves to collect tax. But uh, you know, with, with capital assets, they, they don't really collect that tax. Real estate, there is a real estate excise tax. There is certainly a sales tax for the equipment component. So as we analyze the federal tax deductions and taxation of different kinds of, of gains on these, we do have to keep in mind to the state of Washington taxes. But they aren't as onerous in this state. I just read that California is already going to have the highest income tax rates in the country they're gonna jack them up again retroactively it looks like wow uh boy I I'm never gonna I'm just make this statement I will never have a residence in California so Sacramento <laughs> if you're listening don't don't try and track me I'm not going to be anywhere near your state
1: for earning money and if you're looking to relocate a business California should be at the bottom of the list there if at all you may want to locate it on the moon before you put it in California because of the onerous tax rates down there in the Golden State. Well, we're lucky to be here in Washington State because of the tax situation as far as the state tax situation goes, as as far as businesses go. We do have that B&O tax, but that's another discussion for another time. Once again, Brian, you know, we get started with these things. We get a great conversation going, and then time runs out. Once again, if you have questions about anything that we have spoken about on the show today, you can call Madrona Financial Services and get your no-cost, no-obligation plan. That number is 844-MADRONA, 844- M-A-D-R-O-N-A. And of course, the website is madronafinancial.com. Before we go today, I want to thank everybody for listening to us. The executive producer of Growing Your Wealth, John Capuano. Our director of program operations is the cookie monster, Greg Dennett. Our show's produced by a lovely, talented, and equally dangerous six-degree black belt, our Swedish princess, Stephanie Schoblum. Maite Talavera is our associate producer. Laura McLaughlin our content supervisor. Josh Toys, our technical editor. And surfer boy, Pete Gustin, is our announcer. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great Saturday. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing
3: Your Wealth. Hi, this is Brian Evans, president of Madrona Financial Services. As a CPA and wealth manager, I've had lots of clients who owned highly appreciated real estate. And when it was time to sell that property, they all ran into the same problem a huge tax bill. Up to now, some of their only options were to either follow the strict requirements of a 1031 exchange for another property or pay the hefty tax on the gain. We have access to another option to help our clients. It's called a DST. With a DST, you can still receive the benefits of property ownership like passive income, but you won't be responsible for all the debt or management. And best of all, a DST may meet the qualifications for your 1031 exchange. Now you can potentially defer the tax hit on your highly appreciated property and still get the benefits of investing in real estate. Call us today at 844-MADRONA to learn more about our DST program or visit us online at madronafinancial.com.
1: DST investments are only available to accredited investors and are offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription
0: documents. The news of the day sounds bleak. Schools are canceled. Travel plans have been canceled. Sports are canceled. But good news, your retirement has not been canceled. At Madrona Financial Services, we are focused on the big picture and don't engage in fear-based decision making. We know this too shall pass, and the future will hold tremendous opportunity. But you need to make sure your nest egg is safe from market volatility today because you don't get a second chance at retirement. If you're unsure about the safety of your retirement income or your exposure to market volatility, you must take action today. Start by registering for our complimentary webinar, Keep Calm and Retire On. Available now by registering at madronafinancial.com. We'll explain what's happening in the financial world and discuss strategies you can put in place to help your portfolio weather this storm. Don't make decisions based on fear and misinformation. It's time to be confident in your financial team and retirement strategy. Register for our complimentary webinar, Keep Calm and Retire On, available now at madronafinancial.com. That's M-A-D-R-O-N-A financial.com.